Aren't you fed up with calling a business only to reach a voicemail, phone tree, automated system, or worse, someone who sounds busy, bored, or actually annoyed you are calling? I can't believe how many businesses we interact with spend money marketing to drive phone calls and then completely fail at handling those calls. A full-time assistant costs a lot of money, but at a fraction of the cost, Abby Connect provides businesses with a world-class, professional, and courteous team of receptionists specifically trained to take their calls. Based in the 24-7 city of Las Vegas, Abby Connect has been wowing business callers for over 13 years. No wonder they are the highest-rated live receptionist service. For our listeners, Abby Connect is offering a no-obligation, free, that's free, trial. And after your trial's over, our listeners will also receive $95 off their first bill, but only when you sign up at our special link, abbyconnect.com slash profit first. That's abbyconnect.com slash profit first. Sign up today to experience the difference. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the journey to building a successful company. It can be fraught with a lot of struggles. You're going to learn all about that from the CEO of FreshBooks, Mike McDermott. You're about to hear all that and so much more on today's episode of Entrepreneurship Elevated. Are you kidding me? Music over there. All right, Kels. Um, are you queuing up music? Yeah. Okay, so let's. I'm gonna pause this right away. Just really hard pause. What's the music that you wanted to play? That's a little bit better. That's because it sounds rather similar to what you already play. It does sound a little similar. See, I like the metal sound. It's very 80s metal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I want... Listen, whatever you pick, I'm going to go with. Okay. But, but I, Yeah, but it better be freaking good. I want something that really just brings energy to the show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. Well, hey, everyone. I'm Mike Michalowicz. I am on a mission to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. Oh, hold on, hold on a second, second. I really like that energy. My God, this feels like Hall and Oates from the seventies. <laughs> oh, it gets better. <laughs> oh my God, you feel Maybe pumped up pick... now, huh? No, I'm not. It's hard. Like, it's hard to come back from that. <laughs> uh, I'm in on a mission to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. I'm trying to do it through my books. We're trying to do it through the show. There's all different forms of poverty: financial poverty. There is purpose poverty. There is time poverty. There is the poverty of being able to speak the English language properly, and Kelsey will make fun of me all the time, poverty. We are here to fix that. And I'm joined by, uh, in studio by my colleague and good friend, Kelsey Ayers. Hello, everybody. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any podcast or anywhere, really. And please leave us a review. If you happen to, take a screenshot of it, send it to me, and I'll send you a book. Yeah. It's Kelsey at MikeMichalowitz.com. It's with a K, K-E-L-S-E-Y. At, you can figure out Mike Michalowicz. That's a doozy. Just got to Google it. Google it a lot. And uh, we're sending a copy of Clockwork or Profit First or The Pumpkin Plan. Um, and if you use one of our words in your review, like you know, one of the words we made up, a grocious. Yeah. Um, there might be What? Forculus. Forculus. There may be... <laughs> Storted. Storted. There may be some uh, bonus material for you. Gemetically. Gemetically is one of my That's my favorite. That is my favorite. That's yeah. my favorite. Um, Kels, before we go, go to our guests, I want to know what you've been up to. Um, Thanksgiving, in theory, has passed. We're doing four episodes today before Thanksgiving, but yeah. uh, what have you been up to there, Chief? Yeah. So, 
What do you do in your family for Christmas gifts? Do you buy everybody gifts or do you do like Secret Santa things? Well, you mean what the kids, yeah. Everyone you buy everybody still. Everyone, everyone yeah. Do you guys have like a cutoff? Do you um, still get a lot of yeah, gifts we have, or? Yeah, we have, a, we have a budget. We have a very specific budget that we, we go with every year. Um, we... We do two Christmases, so we do one in our house, and then we'll go to my parents that same day in the afternoon, mm-hmm. and then do it over there. It's a, it's really super important for my parents. My my father, like you know, he's elderly, and um, so it's super important that we experience it there. And he goes to the same routine that we did since he was kids. He's got to take one picture of everyone. We have to get in front of the tree. The tree almost falls over. Confusion <laughs> every single time, and the process is the handing off gifts. Like there, there's this tradition, like. One gift gets handed out to each person. Everyone opens it, displays it. Next gift gets handed out. My father used to always do that. He's just too elderly to get out of the chair. So now it's my job. I get it. I give it to him. He then he has to find the tag on it. Like, yeah. who's it for? And he can never find the tag. He never could. Like, that's nothing new. That's not age-related. He flips it over. Who's this for? And it's like, Dad, it's for Elise, but he can't hear now. He's like, Who, who's this for? Who's this from? And he gets all frustrated. Oh. It actually makes Christmas the best yeah. because it's, it's tradition. Funny. What about you? What do you do? Yeah, I think it kind of changes every year anymore, depending. Um, last year, we just did it at home. My grandfather lived with my parents, so um, it was nice because my aunt from Florida came up and stayed. Oh, cool. Yeah, So, but it was it was cozy, and I like that. I feel like in the past few years, it's been really cozy and sweet, mostly just my immediate family. Does the Tobe hand out the gifts, or do you have like a, a gift hander outer? Um, Does he go by the Tobe, or just Tobe? Just Tobe. Oh, does he yeah. go by Tobe or Toby? Or um, I think in our household he goes by Tobe. Yeah. Toby is the and his real name is Steve. <laughs> That's the best part. Yeah. That's the best part. Most people go from Toby to Steve. He went from Steve to Toby. Toby, yeah, 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 because he was balding in high school. <laughs> yeah, well, that well it makes sense, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So usually my nephew who's like you know thirteen. Yeah. He'll be the one to do it. Um, he's our kind of novelty child at the moment so. i like novelty children <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who are you yeah give he has two two uh what do they call them the, the two bits christmas boy he has two bits get me a pheasant as fast as you can boy <laughs> hurry hurry yes miss yes miss <laughs> um seventh boy do we have anything else to share before we go to our guest uh yeah we do oh, do we have a listener we have a review oh what they say a shout out goes to bebert bebert so Bebert left us a review on iTunes. They said, I really like listening to the podcast, and the Profit First system is a godsend for me. It has greatly helped me to wrap my head around my business finances. Thanks, Mike. Oh, you're welcome, Bebert. Is it, is it, his name is B and last name Bert? It's confusing for yeah. this. So it's B, somebody, so it could be Bert Bert. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Bert Bert. Appreciate it. Bert Bert. Bert Bert. We appreciate that. Did he get a book? Uh, yeah, he got a Bert. Nice. Which book did he get? <laughs> I think Profit First. A lot of people are going for Profit First. Yeah. You know what surprised me? Some people are like, oh yeah, I never read the book. I've been listening to the show for yeah. ye- years. That's why I love this. I love that we're giving them the book. Yeah. have it. But like, you know, make the effort and read the book. Like, I think it'll really help you. Like, why? You're listening for years. You want to increase your profitability. Don't shame them. I'm not, no, that's a good point. I'm not trying to shame anyone. Like, Maybe they're not readers. Maybe they don't grasp things that way. Okay. Well, they grasp free books. Yeah. You know your library you can get for free. I'm not like I'm not trying to shame people. I'm like, just take action, my friend. Take action. Okay, Bebert, you're the man. You took action. So um, let's get to the show. Oh, thanks. I want to thank our corporate partners, thanks to even Receipt Bank. We'll talk about more about them later, so you can avoid that 
infamous phone shame and wallet shame. We'll talk about that later. You know what I'm talking about. Our guest today is Mike McDermott. He is the co-founder and CEO of FreshBooks. You know, I took a trip up to Canada to visit with their offices. Mm. Took a tour of their facility. This is a few years back. Fascinating location. First oh, of all, it's cool. a massive business. Where in Canada now is it? Um, is it? Oh my gosh! Don't Toronto. Don't, uh, <laughs> dude, I was about to say Sorry, I was about to say Quebec City. Thank you. There. I was about to say Quebec City. So uh, not even close. <laughs> Montreal. No, Toronto. My um, guess is Toronto. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Mike, back into your hole. Um, prior to FreshBooks, Mike ran his own design firm where he accidentally saved an, uh, over an invoice and realized the unmet need in the market for you know proper invoicing and systems like this. In 2003, he started FreshBooks from his parents' basement in Toronto. See, the answer would have come out if you just hang <laughs> with me. Toronto. Uh, Mike has authored Breaking the Time Barrier. We distribute that book freely and regularly in our welcome kits uh, to our new members. And is a guide uh, of using value. It's a guide of uh, using value-based pricing to unlock your true earning potential. It's my privilege to invite on our show Mike McDermott. Mike, welcome, welcome to our Mike. show. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. So, just give us a little sense. I suspect everyone listening to the show knows FreshBook and if FreshBooks, and if they don't, like what rock have they been living under? Give us a sense for what FreshBooks looks like today as a business. Yeah. So. Um, I guess there's a bunch of ways to look at that, but um, the way we would classically articulate it is, um, you know, we're about 300 people, uh, over 20 million people have used our, our software to send and receive print and pay invoices since we started. Um, and, uh, you know, we started, I think probably like a lot of your, your audience, uh, pretty humbly with, uh, you know, spending about three and a half years in my parents' basement getting things going. Okay, so so that's what we're going to jump back to. So you've achieved by by the measurement of size, right? Three hundred employees, twenty million historical users. You've achieved the size of a, of a very significant business, which I would assume less than one percent, or maybe even one percent of one percent of entrepreneurs ever achieve. But you started exactly where we all started in the basement. What do you attribute that degree of success, starting off that humbly? How did you make that arc wise when so many of us don't? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny, the, the ingredients, if I really want to be honest about them, um, and it's a frustrating answer, I think, in some cases, but also an inspiring one is a lot of it's perseverance. You know, like we, we really should have given up. Um, you know, today in any given month, we help people collect billions of dollars. Uh, you know, back then it was a different story and, um, you know, it took us two years to get to a place where we had 10 customers, uh, paying us $9 and 95 cents a month, uh, each. So we were making a hundred dollars a month, uh, two years in. So, um, you know, the point is like, we probably should have quit. You know, every you know by all accounts we were utterly unsuccessful, but but we liked what we were doing, yeah. right? So I guess in terms of the poverty of purpose, uh, we didn't suffer from that. We were we spent a lot of time talking to our customers, you know, when we whenever we did, which was always like a pleasant surprise because somebody had found us and gosh, they were even prepared to speak with us on the phone or by email. Um, we we got the sense that we were making a difference for them, and mm. I think it's that that really got us going. Did you ever want to give up? Like, was there a point where you really were going to call it? Uh, for me, in the early days, you know, I, I don't think 
you know, I didn't have the, the quit of like, I want to stop this so much mm-hmm. as I had the entrepreneurial, well, I could do this or I could do that. Yeah. Um, siren call of like a different opportunity. Um, you know, I almost started a, a business to help, you know, for what it's worth realtors. Cause I had a bunch of those in my consulting business we were serving. And uh, I was like, Oh, they all could use this other thing that I could build for them. And, you know, I bet that business would have grown faster at the start, but you know, would have never achieved the kind of scale that, uh, that this one can. Yeah. So you see these customers calling you, uh, they're, they're showing appreciation for what you're doing, but that doesn't pay. I mean, that doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> how, was that really enough to sustain you? And <sighs> yeah. How do you get through that? Yeah. So, so I, I think, I think there's a question of like, what is sustaining? So, I, you know, I'm a big fan of people when they're starting a company or a project or whatever it is, is like, you you need to figure out how to determine your own success. Um, Don't Mm -hmm. let other people do that for you. And you need to have measures that work for you and not for others. And so there were lots of people signing up for our service every day. Like, I don't know, like 30 people a day would, you know, somehow find us on the internet and sign up for our service. They weren't turning into customers yet, but they were finding us and they were finding us in pretty much greater and greater numbers every single month. Um, and so, you know, I think if we had evaluated ourselves on, you know, like, you know, revenue and profit and all these things, um, we probably would have packed it in. Mm-hmm. Right. And if we, you know, shared, Hey, you know, we're making a hundred dollars a month to a thousand dollars a month or whatever to, to somebody, somebody else, they would have said, you know, you're a, what a joke, like you're a right. failure. And so what we ended up doing is again, sort of, of saying, hey, we're more interested in these other milestones, customer satisfaction, you know, the challenges like delivering projects and trying to advance. Uh, I, I will say, you know, in fairness for people who are like, yeah, Mike, but you don't have, you know, kids or, you know, you mustn't have had mouths to feed or whatever. I, I, I mean, there's some truth to that. I, I got myself into a place where my personal living expenses were relatively lower. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a consulting business that, you know, I, I actually built this business because I accidentally saved over an invoice one day running that business. <laughs> and so I had a source of income from that, that, you know, that, that firm that was helping uh, serve other small businesses with marketing and website design, things like that. So, so I had a source of income. Um, you know, I put some of my own money into this thing though to keep it going. Uh, we had a founder join, and we so we cobbled together dollars to to kind of fund those early days. But um, um, I, I think the point is. If we had measured ourselves by traditional means, we, we would have quit <laughs> a long yeah. time ago. Uh, but we liked what we were doing, so we found ways to keep going. Well, let's look at this from another perspective. Maybe you should have quit. I mean, listen, in hindsight, clearly you shouldn't have quit. But maybe the better choice is you're not making money. This isn't sustainable uh, in the long term. This will hurt your future um, opportunities by continuing to do something that's not working. Do you have any sense of of when you really should have quit? I mean, is there any indicators that you maybe even define for yourself? Well, if we don't achieve this, then we're calling it quits. Oh, well, that's a great question to ask. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I just I Slightly can't help but say but like great. clearly. Clearly, we were right to not have quit. Yeah, yeah. clearly. I mean, <laughs> you know, clear. clearly yeah. we were. You know, we we figured some things out, um, and uh, I I think that you know to me is a little more of the entrepreneurial journey. Like I will say like, I'm not every, you know, sort of small business owner or entrepreneur, like the more, like the more uncertainty, the more sort of intriguing and challenging and interesting oh, it all that. is to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some folks, I think of it as the difference between, I feel like the word, 
and, and just forgive me here for a second. And by the way, I, I cast no judgment in saying this. So let me just share with you what I've learned over the years. Um, it, it's funny because I had that consulting business and my first two clients who I still have relationships today are wonderful. One was like a, a travel uh, in the travel industry, helping people, uh, you know, sort of have great vacations. And the other person was a caterer of all things. Huh. Um, you know, both of them, while I was serving them and helping you know, them build websites and do the things they needed to run their business. In both cases, um, they they came to points where they could have, um, they had to decide. They had a fork in the road. I can take a jump and either buy another facility or, you know, invest in my own marketing and grow the business in a certain way, you know, or I can, you know, sort of, uh, you know, hunker down and go a little further and hope that that opportunity will come again. Uh, and I saw something happen, um, whereas I saw both of them choose to not take the step into the unknown, right? And these are successful business owners, right? Yeah. They've been doing what they're doing for years. And I will say this, I just, I just didn't understand it. You know, like for, for me, that jumping off point is, you know, like that uncertainty that comes with the next thing that, you know, you may not figure it out is, is what I love. Right. Um, so, so, which is a long winded way of saying, Hey, those, those people are still in business today, <laughs> right? right? They, they've built great businesses, um, you know, different size and scale than the one I'm, I'm running now. But, but um, I think, I guess there's a, a bunch of different animals. I think of, uh, you know, like an entrepreneur is probably a little more what I'd call myself versus the small business owner that I was mm. back when I was working with them and that they still are. But I, I kind of switched, switched gears and switched, you know, sort of lanes and, and went on a different path. And so, um, you know, what is the point in all this? You know, if I'm being honest, I can barely remember the question. I think <laughs> it's, it's more, uh, I think it's more a question of, um, you know, should we have quit? Like, yeah. you know, I, who, who are you? Right. And what's right for you? Uh, cause I, I, I am sincere when I say there's no judgment, like those are wonderful people. You know, some people don't work for themselves at all. They work for somebody. I'd like no judgment in any of this. Uh, I just think you need to know kind of who you are, what's interesting to you. And, uh, and then, you know, Hey, you know, is it, you know, do you, do you think it'll be worthwhile to go on the journey of trying to figure this out? Cause it's going to be thankless for a long time. You know, I, you know, I know you uh, from that one meeting we had face to face, watching what you've done from afar, and this is my uh, assessment: is you will step into uncertainty, but at the same time you're very calculated, which almost seems paradoxical. Like here's a guy, like I see you as a guy that says no to many opportunities because it's a distraction from your core opportunity. Yet at the same time you're stepping into the uncertainty. It almost sounds like. Those would be conflicting, but maybe that's not a fair judgment of who you are. Would, would is that a fair judgment or not? And well, how's it work? L let me uh, you know try and speak about myself without getting too without weird. me speaking about um, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I have heard it said, um, you know that you know entrepreneurs are risk takers, yeah. um, and I guess. You know, I never really see it that way. Maybe when I talk about jumping into the unknown, there's obviously risk there. But, you know, I, I think of entrepreneurs as sort of, you know, risk mitigators, right? Um, and so the question is, is the reward enough for the risk? So do I want to go in there? And then do I believe I can squish the risk down into, you know, 
component pieces that I, I think I can influence and control enough of it, even though it's hugely uncertain and, and terrifying for maybe others. But I see some path where, to me, the risk is manageable. So mm. constantly calculating that. So it's not like a, a, you know, I'd say, yeah, it's not a blind thing, but it's, you know, I'm standing in the situation, I, I you know, I, and I think this is true of a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of small business owners. Like we see and feel the risk differently, and, and that's you know that's good, and that's part of you know the DNA of the animal, right? Um, yeah. So I, I think there's risk in all these cases, you know. Yeah, and, and and the job is to you know have confidence that you can take some of it out, and, and maybe you can't, and then just be okay with the notion that you know maybe it won't work out. Are you on a mission through your business or personally something greater than just the transaction, more than? Let's you know. Let's make more money. Let's sell more. I mean, do you, are you genuinely trying to deliver something to the customer that betters their lives or has an impact in a way that they wouldn't realize without you? Uh, Levy, uh, you know, I, I've never been really motivated by money. Um, I just I'm, I'm sort of an intrinsic motivation kind yeah. of person, and you know, I think you know, and philosophically in life, I believe if you do the right things, like other good things come out of that, right? And so I think apply that philosophy to business, and uh, so we we've always had a real interest in serving our customers. So even in the basement there, when we were making no money, like we were intensely customer focused. And I built up my agency with those clients I mentioned and others, you know, before we were running FreshBooks, uh, again, by kind of serving people well and kind of exceeding their expectations and helping them succeed and, and myself finding a purpose in that. So, so today with FreshBooks, um, it's all, it continues to be all about the customer. Yes, yeah. the, the scorecard is kind of revenues and growth and all those things, but those are byproducts of doing a million small things right for, for many, many people. Uh, and so, you know, whether it's our, our dedication to customer service or, you know, sort of building uh, excellent products, I think those are the ways, you know, those are the interesting problems. Like, hey, how can we do a really good job serving our customers, whether it be they phone us and they, you know, they, they have a good experience there or they're using our products and we're not even with them, but it's so intuitive that it's easy that, you know, that's fun. I figure if we do all that right, it's going to work out for people. And, and then, you know, like when you do speak with customers, which, you know, everyone at FreshBooks spends their first month and customer service. Uh, you know, I spent years talking with customers way back when. I still go out and have dinners with them and all that kind of thing. Um, when you get connected to the real life struggles of a small business owner, um, of somebody out there working for themselves, trying to, you know, get a business off the ground and find clients and serve clients and, and frankly, whose who's mental health is influenced day to day by, by their clients. Yeah. Like, was it a good day because my client's happy or was it a terrible day because, you know, I really feel like you know, they felt like they, you know, we underdelivered for them or, or something along those lines. Um, you, you know how important the work you do is. Like, you know, that's, that, that everybody at FreshBooks has a, a sense of purpose. Um, uh, I, I believe and it's because they get to speak with their customers and see them using it and have the product and, and uh, you know, yeah. And, and what's the point if you don't have that is kind of my orientation. I don't know if it's a uh, chicken before the egg type thing. Is it just related to you? Is it all businesses? But my question is when it comes to making money versus catering to something greater than making money, What's the driving factor? I mean, does a business really need to make money first to realize that there's a greater purpose? Or do you need to have a greater purpose clearly defined first to make money that supports that purpose? I don't even know that question is clear. Does that land with you? Well, maybe I'll try and take a stab at how I, I might think about it is, um, you know, I, I don't think I'd have fun and enjoyment running a business that just made money. 
right? Like I want to know that I'm, I'm serving somebody with my efforts and we're making a difference for people. And then I think the question is, uh, back to the making money part is like, hey, are you taking on something that if you do a good job of it, there's enough impact, influence and ability to earn at the end of it that, that it actually makes sense for you? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think that's, that's kind of the calculus, right? Um, you know, if we didn't need to feed ourselves and what have you, I, I wonder how much different the things people would do would be. And in my case, like I love serving, I'm, I'm not sure how much different it would be. Right. Uh, but someone else might, uh, spend their time differently. I want to talk a little bit about the hard knocks. You know, I, I went to your office, <clears throat> I, I was walking around as, as with one of your salespeople, you and I sat down, we, we had a lunch together tour around, met your team. They, the ten, they had the tennis tables down there. You know, it's a it's a beautiful office, beautiful space, like an industrial complex, but really it's modernized. And so that, you know, I, I look at it, I'm like, wow, this this guy's had an easy ride, and look at this tremendous success he's had. Envy kicks in, um, and I start painting my own story of a business like yours or yours itself, saying, oh, it was easy for him, but that's not the reality. But I don't <laughs> think it was easy for you. What, what's the reality of achieving a business like that? What was it? Was it smooth riding? After you got out of the parents' basement? Well, I mean, first of all, we spent three and a half years there. So, you know, do we get yeah, some points for yeah, that period? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Just asking. Yeah. Uh, hey, Mom, yeah, so where's I, the peanut butter jelly sandwich? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no, no. It did not go down like that, I <laughs> uh, So, um, yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I, I like – I like challenge and personal growth. So I, I think the question is, if it was easy, would I still be doing it? Um, yeah. Is maybe the uh, another way to frame things. Uh, I, I don't think it's ever been easy, right? Uh, I, I think the question is, do you get energy and do you enjoy the challenge, right? You mm. know, for me, I, I don't do well if I'm not challenged in some way. And so building a company and learning how to do that and then learning how to run it and, and build a team and sort of keep customers and, and people, have, like there's there's a whole bunch of problems in there um, you know, learning how to build product, learning how to marketing product. Like I, I love all that. Um, you know, I, I like trying to solve those problems. And so you know, I don't know that we've had an easy, like, I don't know that there's such thing as an easy day since we started. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's fulfilling days, you know, when you make a difference for people, maybe they're inside the building, maybe it's, you know, you're delivering some new features that customers have been asking for for a long time. Those are still my favorite days. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's never easy. Right. Uh, and I don't think if you do anything that's worthwhile in this world, it's ever easy. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your relevance to the business now? I mean, day one, you might have been the guy coding and developing, doing customer service. Now you got 300 colleagues working there. Does the business even need you? Or I'm, I'm sure it does, but what's the capacity? Are you needed on a day to day basis? Are you needed as a visionary? And what does that even mean? Yeah, I, you know, truthfully, I'm on a bit of a journey with that myself is, you know, and I would say every three to six months since we started the business or maybe less in the early days, uh, you know, I've had to redo my role. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the phase I'm at right now, it, it's probably a bit of a bigger redo. But I, I'm looking at a world where I used to be, you know, sort of more operationally involved and thought I had to be mm-hmm. um, last little while I've sort of, you know, I've built a team they're they're very strong and you know i'm not as necessary and on the one hand that's an ego bruise on the other hand it's like wait a second 
you know, I kind of want to go back to, you know, resolving or better solving some of the early problems, you know, some of the squishy problems, yeah. you know, Hey, you know, our, our brand, um, you know, it's been a thing that I've been looking at for a long time. I just haven't been able to get to. So, you know, and what does that mean? It's like, you know, it's not like a logo update. It's a more uh, thoughtful exercise to go back and, and get in touch with some pieces there. So, so, uh, you know, I think, uh, right now, you know, I, I think the next phase is, you know, the question I ask for myself is what am I uniquely positioned to contribute? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what are the things that no one else is going to you know, sort of care about and get to in a way that, you know, I, I believe really matters and stacking those projects up and chewing through them. So yeah, my role is turning into a little bit more of, of that. Um, then, you know, like, Hey, I'm at the weekly meeting, you know, what are the numbers and why? Um, yeah, I'm trying to free myself up from, from that operating stuff and focus more on the, uh, you know, the, the further out pieces. Do you ever see yourself maybe in hindsight that you've become an impedance at certain points that you've inserted yourself in a role for too long and you're actually impeding the progress of, of other colleagues in the business itself? Well, the interesting one I'm having with myself right now is that I've been an impedance on myself. <laughs> Self-impeder. Right? Yeah. 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 self <laughs> Is that a new word? I don't know. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, it will be. It'll be in our dictionary. Yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. yeah it's a there crisis. we go. So a self-impeder where where I, you know, I think I held on to this the last permutation of my role longer than I needed to. Um, and I think, you know, the downside of that is, um, you know, I, I like, listen, I've enjoyed what I've been doing, but I'm actually pretty excited about letting go of that stuff and kind of going to some other things now, which I think is, which is how you stay engaged over a long period of time. Right. Um, so I, I think it's important to make sure that I sort of serve myself in a way to, to, to stay engaged and, and to take on those things that, you know, as a founder, you know, you sort of uniquely positioned to, to understand and do and help lead other people through. Right. Um, other people can run the operations and, uh, is, a, a another way to look at it. So, um, uh, that's not to say I'm not showing up to the office every day and things like that. It's just my, my focus, uh, and, uh, is different. Uh, so the, the, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the answer today. What about the development of your team? Meaning I, when I experienced your office, you had some people that clearly are very, more than loyal, they're excited to be there. That you could see in their eyes and in their actions, they're committed to the success of the business. How did you develop such a loyal team, um, and how did you do it from the early stages, in particular when you were you know, working out of the basement? Yeah, uh, and so I'm, I'm, you know, forgive me for like wanting to say something glib, like you know, like how do you cross the street, right? Like <laughs> That's you put one, that is, one you did say something glib in front of the other, right? And you, you don't even know, you don't necessarily think about it. Um, the, the flip of that is, if I'm being honest, I spend a hell of a lot of time thinking about it. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, back to being calculated because, you know, to my mind, it's like you, you want to hire the best folks and then you want them to stay. And, uh, you know, people have choices these days, especially in the industry I work in. So it's incumbent on you to, to ensure that people actually do love being here. And by the way, like, don't you want to work around and be with people who are passionate about what they're doing and glad to be there every day mm-hmm. versus somebody who's not right. So there's a whole bunch of reasons why, you know, I think, uh, me spending time thinking about like, hey, how do we create a great experience for people so they want to be here is very much in line with their interests and the long-term success of the business. And, you know, I'll just, you know, we, we you know, I, I've, I've gone to great lengths on this. Like I'm a, a big culture uh, person. Yeah. Uh, I've, you know, I've kind of tried to, you know, I didn't understand what it was or how it worked or what it even 
you know, like really meant or why it mattered when I started out. Um, so I've been back to like calculating and deliberate, like I've had to go on like a deliberate learning journey to tease it apart. Mm. Um, yeah, the upshot of that is, uh, you know, we have built the kind of workplace you describe. We, we actually participate in some of the, you know, the fortune 500 companies do this great places to work thing and Google and Facebook, you know, sort of try to be the top company to work for and usually are in the top, you know, sort of five or 10. And, um, you know, we compete in the same survey just for less than a thousand employee companies. And we were number one in 2015 and number four in 2016 and number seven in 2017. So, um, you you know, it's, all that thought has sort of paid off in a way. Um, but you know, it doesn't, this is one of those things where it's like, you're as good as, you know, your last day on the job. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. It's like, you gotta, you gotta keep doing it. But that culture, I assume, you know, when I see the awards, the ones you just kind of rattled off the Googles and stuff, I I think large corporations have culture. Doesn't it start though, even with just yourself when you're a solo practitioner? Well, I think the thing you, don't appreciate at the time, if I can speak in generalities, is um, yeah, you, you you are making and creating a culture whether you know it or not, like day yeah. one yourself, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of our culture today, you know, the die was cast when we were one, two, four, ten people, right? Like you can still see that uh, in, in many of the things that we kind of do today. And I think that that is... Um, you know, that is something, right? Uh, it's fascinating and it can't be underappreciated. You can change things. Uh, and you know, often there's times to edit, uh, and tune, but, um, but the die is cast pretty early. Yeah. What's the future for fresh books? Uh, you know, what what do you see as your 10 year vision? Um, well, we have a, we're a values driven organization. Um, we have nine values and an invisible 10th one called stealth. Uh, and what that's about is no forward looking statements, no strategy, no financials. We, oh. sort of, we keep all those things kind of close to our, our, our best, so to speak. But, you know, I, I think the simplest way to think about it is, hey, we've helped, you know, tens of millions of people over the years. Uh, if you don't know what we do, it's you know ridiculously easy to use invoicing and accounting software. You can get on your desktop, your mobile phone. If you invoice, uh, you should check us out. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, I, I just you know I, our mission as a company is to reshape the world to suit the needs of uh, self-employed professionals and their their teams. Uh, and I, I just think there's all kinds of. We started off in sort of the accounting invoicing and accounting software. Uh, we help people collect payments now, um, and we we kind of actually. I would say sort of completely re- redesigned how accepting payments works. So you can sign up with our service and in one click accept Visa and MasterCard. Um, nobody's ever done that before. Um, and so I, I think, you know, when we think about, uh, you know, our, we have a philosophy and a credo of execute extraordinary experiences every day. Um, I, I think that is fundamentally how we reshape the world for, for our customers. I, I think there are other problems, you know, it's collecting payments over here. You know, it could be something else over there that, that, you know, for us to go out and, and take on that problem and sort of rend it from a world of complexity and pain and nuisance into something, you know, remarkably simple, you know, that, that's the direction we want to be going in. Um, and I, I just see lots of, problems that aren't aren't solved for you know a, a, a very important and growing number of people who are out there working for themselves right uh, and and really don't have the level of support that uh, you know uh, they do as consumers you know as business people and self-employed folks we just don't have the same level of support that we do as 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 consumers 
So I have one more question for you because we got to start wrapping things up. But uh, mm. you, you've had a perspective. You know, you've had 20 million customers, mostly, if not all, business owners. Now, I know you don't have a relationship or can even see their data. I mean, it's their own private data. But have you been able to surmise the differentiator between a successful entrepreneur and one that struggles? Is there anything that comes to mind, at least for you, as the differentiator? So um, one of the things that makes us different, uh, so there's lots of, you know, there's actually, there's really not lots of accounting software choices out but there, but, you know, one of the most popular ones, they serve every kind of business, right? Retail, right. restaurants, we don't. Okay. And so I, I say this, you know, we only serve people who, you know, serve others. They send invoices. That's kind of the common denominator for our customers. So no retail, no point of sale, no mm. restaurants. But if you invoice, you know, you should really be using FreshBooks. Um, I say that again to speak to like, hey, when I think about our customers and the things that makes them different and more successful, you know, if you look at the data, it generally always comes back and says the same thing. It's like people with like cash flow or whatever, right? It's like, oh, you know, thanks a lot. Uh, that's really insightful. Um, right. But but if, if I think about it personally, and you go out and you have dinner with people, I, I just, you know, I think it's people who really are able to, you know, put themselves in their customer's shoes, right? You know, kind of put their customer in front of them, get into their shoes and help that customer solve problems. Uh, and then deliver against, you know, in, in a way that is, you know, beyond the expectations of that client, because those clients will then take you to other people. And then you'll have so many clients, you'll have to start letting some go and choosing the best ones. And then you'll be down to a short list of the best customers who only get to work with you because you're the best at what you do. And I, I, you know, I think that's, that's the progression and that, that, that customer orientation is, um, you know, is, is, you know, not something that's uh, in a huge amount of supply and it's squishy, yeah. but it, it's important. Yeah. Great insights. Mike, before we let you go, uh, where can our listeners sign up uh, for FreshBooks and start using your system? Yeah. Um, first of all, you can get started for free. Check us out at freshbooks.com. And I'll just say it one more time, but I think it's super important. If you invoice, you should be using FreshBooks. There you go. It's that simple. The CEO of FreshBooks, Mike McDermott. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right. Hang tight, though, while we upload your file. And uh, Kelsey and I talk behind your back. All right. So, Kels, before we do talk about what we learned from Mike, I do want to thank our corporate partners who make this show a reality. And a big shout out to Receipt Bank. Um, Kels, I've never seen so many receipts as the ones that covered your desk the day you came on board. And I say, Kelsey... You're a brand new employee. I don't want to embarrass you, but for God's sake, that's embarrassing. I'm surprised anyone even wants to be your friend. Yeah. And I know that's, you know, culturally, maybe you don't want to approach a colleague like that, but that's how I approached you. And you said, I think I need something better. I said, you need receipt bank. And from that day forward, no problems, right? I mean. Yeah. And I appreciate you humbling yourself to be my friend. Yeah. I, well, you I said that culture right from the start. Yeah, I did. I really did. That was a very humble thing of me. Then I looked at your phone. And I, first of all, I was disgusted, to be honest. <laughs> I, I said, Kelsey, what kind of phone is this? And you said, it's it's uh, it's the phone I use. And I said, that's not what professionals use. There you use. go, being judgy again. I wasn't being judgy. I was being helpful. Mm. I was being a friend. Mm -hmm. And I said, why don't you use the next Diva phone? And you're like, what is that? And I said, see, see, you have so much to learn, my child. <laughs> anyway, when I, when I called you my child, I thought that was a little bit over the top, but really. And I got no, you the I'm next, not patronizing at all. <laughs> and I got you the next Diva phone, and you're like, this has been life-changing. You have no receipt problems, with, and thanks to the receipt bank, and you have no phone problems thanks to Next Eva. It's beautiful. I mean, your life is basically fixed. Yeah. 
Yeah. All to you. I know. I, know. I bow to you. I know. Master. <laughs> Master. <laughs> hey, and you, my dear friends, why aren't you using an Xtiva phone? Because your life could change just like Kelsey's. And why aren't you using Receipt Bank? Because your life can change, like Kelsey's, if you do. If you do. All right, Kelsey, I want to know uh, what you learned today. Um, if so I can hit the button. There we go. Come on, man. Would you? Oh. Yeah, a little bonus. Oh, I love this so much. I He's amazing, right? I'm super appreciative of Mike. Yeah. I think it's so important that you determine your own success because and I think that's in all aspects of your life. Like determine what is meaningful and important to you for your life's purpose and don't be swayed by any of the things you think that you should be swayed by. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's integral to you know, thinking about money because obviously money is the lifeblood of your business, but it shouldn't be the determinant of whether you keep doing it or whether you give up. It really has to be something bigger than that, right? Like, you know, keep your side consulting job for as long as it takes to get this thing that you're super passionate and that's serving a community that you feel you need to serve. Like, do whatever you have to do, but make sure you're in tune with what matters. I liked the um, poverty of purpose. I didn't like yeah. like the fact that there's a, a poverty of purpose, but I liked the clarity of the negative impact. The of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I thought that was powerful. Yeah. I liked the the reference to the siren call, which I believe is some mythology, right? The sirens, how they call yeah. you. The siren call um, to do different things, which is the it's the Achilles heel to make another biblical, I mean, another mythological reference. It's the Achilles heel of entrepreneurs is to be constantly distracted by different right, things. Right. And to me that offset this this uh, this desire to step into uncertainty because it invokes curiosity and intrigue balanced with the the intentional disregard for distraction. Right. I thought right. that was super powerful. Yeah. And, and I also love that his like sort of company mission was to rent things that are complex for small business owners and break it down into something that they can use that that's easy for them Boom. to access. I love that. Boom. And I think it's so true because it is super complex, especially when in terms of like cash flow, like I think setting up merchant accounts is stupid, stupid, complicated just to be able to take credit card payments. Oh yeah. Well, cause we've done it here. Account. Oh yeah. yeah. Nightmare. And nightmare. it's like, why are there so many different people kind of in the process for getting money and getting into your bank? Right. Yeah, We got it. We got to get that fixed. It's crazy. Um, and here's the last thing is, I asked him about the kind of his own growth. I mean, he started out as himself. He was the business. He started adding colleagues. He's got 300 plus colleagues, if I heard that correctly. Um, and he keeps asking himself, what am I unique for now? And I thought that's a real powerful way. Yeah. As a business coach, like, we're tiny. We, there's 10 of us here. We're about to hire someone maybe. If, you know, Hopefully. So 11. Like, we're tiny, right? I yeah. mean, but even... Our role, your role, my role has shifted right. every time we brought someone on board. I mean, think about the day you started to what you're doing yeah, today. Yeah, it's crazy. Your role shifted, my role shifted. But there's and, aspects that haven't. There's aspects that I probably should have let go. Yeah. Yeah, but, but we got to keep asking ourselves, what are we unique for right. to find our relevance? Otherwise, it builds redundancy and you start becoming this almost clones of each other and yeah. the business stop, the progress stops moving. And, and I, think, I think, sorry, go ahead. I, I'm on a roll here. I think yeah. the leader of the business really has to live into their uniqueness. Exactly. And I think, like you said, too, that is what's ultimately going to keep feeding you to be engaged within the business. Otherwise, I mean, like anything, you get bored with your role or it becomes monotonous to the point where you resent it. Like, 
you need right. to kind of kind of shift as your own needs shift. Right. Right. Fascinating interview. Probably my favorite interview. Uh, yeah. I've loved, I always enjoy our interviews, but this one was really yeah, kind of insightful uh, to talk about a guy that I think in some regards, uh, many of our listeners, myself, also aspire to have some of the elements of what he's experienced in his business in our own business. Yeah. And so. I think as a human, just to have that kind of integrity with all aspects of life. Yeah. Super real guy. Yeah. Uh, okay, Kels, do we have anything else to talk about? Oh, oh do, we have any, uh, do we have any mail? We do. Got mail. Pattern Baldwin. <laughs> So this comes from Jay Murray. Hey, Jay. Um, What's that? He says, my wife and I started a home health care business. If we are both getting W-2 checks, why would we still have a bank account for owner's pay? So, Jay, Jay, Jay. Because W-2, I'm presuming you're saying you're receiving a check from other work you do, right? You're getting a paycheck from another uh, employment. It's unclear from your question, but... When you start a business, we have to prove that the business can support you in its entirety. So if you have a job on the side, you're moonlighting this new business, we have to make sure the business can support you. And by doing this, we have to bifurcate, meaning allocate the money to the different accounts um, for each pre-intended purpose. If we pay you out of owner's pay, we know the business can support you. If we're not paying your owner's pay and you're living off your W-2, you're artificially growing your business. Your business is actually leeching off the other work you need to do. So you have to allocate the money to know that's really available for you. I'm wondering if he's saying that he pays himself through a payroll company. Oh, well, that changes everything. Now, if you pay yourself through a payroll company, so that's an S-corp or C-corp, you actually have to do that. We have a payroll company here, but we're an LLC, so I don't get a paycheck. But if you get what's called a distribution. Um, if you are getting a paycheck from your business, you still have to have an owner's pay account because we need to make sure that the pay is being secured for the owner themselves in addition to their employees. It's a reward mechanism. It's a behavioral mechanism. As an owner that, that's transferring money around, we need to know that you're being paid. Sadly, most owners don't pay themselves. They start to resent their business and hate it. But if you see that money's being reserved for you, it starts building that confidence. It's a simple reward mechanism. So you still need to do it. Wait, we do it. Yeah. Yeah, we do it. It really didn't go anywhere from there. But we do it. All right, Kels, take us out of here. Thanks, everybody. And please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Tune Radio, whatever you listen to. Just take a screenshot and yep. send it to me, Kelsey at MikeMcCallowitz.com, and we'll send you a book. Book! <laughs> a book of your choice, yeah. as long as it's limited to Profit First. Or Clockwork, <laughs> or The Pumpkin Plant. Like, we'll give you a choice of three. It's not like we're going to send you Mike McDermott's book for free. Yeah. Because we have to buy it and send it to you, and it's really awkward. And we're like, hey, Mike, can you give us a deal? And he's like, no. And then, you know. But we'll send you my book for free. Yeah. So uh, any book you want, as long as it's one of those three. And, and you leave a review. And it's hardcover. We only send the hardcovers. We don't send you audibles. Yeah. And you do a review. Um, and you use one of our invented words. Yeah. There is a bonus going on right now. We don't know what the bonus gift is, if there's anything. Quite frankly, it may be nothing. So count on nothing and then be surprised if there is something. Yeah. Yeah. But be lured in by something. Yeah. Yeah, but and, hey, you can get Surge anytime, though. Just oh go my to MikeMcCallowitz.com. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, this is, like, what author does this? Hey, just take my books for free. Like, this is how I make my living, and it's giving it all away for free. Yeah. Because it's, manipulative. It because it's a manipulative marketing tactic. <laughs> Here's what you do. Go to MikeMcCallowitz.com. I know you can't spell that. Go to MikeMotorbike.com. That's the backup. Uh, some people are calling me Mike Motorbike now, by the oh. way. I've been at events, and I'm like, hey, it's Mike Motorbike. Like, that's me. Yeah. Like, that? How's Kelsey Air? Somebody, she's good. She's good. 
So uh, go to MikeMotorBike.com. Click on, at the top of any of the pages, it'll say, get your free copy of Surge. And sure enough, you'll get my book free. No shipping, costs, no nothing. The entire book, the same one you can buy on Amazon, sent to you immediately for free. Okay. I think we're That's good. That's all. All right, we'll see you guys. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Oh, Ruby has something to say. Is that Daddy Fatback? That's right. 